Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 8 and I want to read a couple of verses of scripture and maybe just kind of tag on to or continue with in a way what we spoke about this morning from a different passage of scripture but something that I'm feeling here tonight praise the Lord did you come ready to go a little further I said did you come to go a little further in the Lord Ezekiel chapter number 8 and verse 7, and he brought me, this is speaking of the Lord, to the prophet Ezekiel. He brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said unto me, Son of man, and anytime you see that phrase, and Son of man, you know in the Old Testament it's more or less talking from the book of Ezekiel because that phrase is used a whole lot there. Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when he had digged in the wall, behold, a door. When he digged in the wall, behold, a door. I just want to use this as a subject tonight. Dig your way out. Dig your way out. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our voices to him right now. Let's pray together. The Lord would help us in this place. Jesus, we need you. We need your spirit to move. We're praying, God, for your perfect will. We're asking, God, that you would help us. We know that you're the only one that can. And I'm praying, Lord, you'd take control in the next few moments and you would have your way in this place and allow this to culminate into a great altar service. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for it. And let's now give praise to the name that's above every name. That's a little weak. Let's give praise to the name that's above every name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I really do feel like God is up to something. And I feel that before this service concludes here tonight, in this altar service, we gather around this front, I believe that there's going to be some confirmation to God's Word. How many knows that when the Word is spoken, that God, His Word doesn't return void? And uh, there is to be a confirmation of those things that He has initiated with His Word. When the Word goes forth, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so we're inspired and move to act upon the word of the Lord when it goes forth. That's why we believe in an engagement from the church while the preacher is preaching. We don't believe just, just coming and sitting and being entertained and say, well, that's a good sermon. And I, I went home and got a few points to better my life with. No, I believe there's something a whole lot deeper than that that goes on when the preaching of the word of the Lord goes forth. Matter of fact, when your spirit is open like it should be, the seed of God's word is able to be planted in your heart 
And there's going to be fruit that's going to come from that that could be many days down the road from that initial experience of opening up your heart to the Word of God. So it's not just what happens here tonight. And I believe that there's going to be some great things that's going to happen in this house tonight. But it's also what happens in days to come. And so we got to nurture that. we got to continue to let that flourish and grow and become in our lives. In this particular passage that I read to you from here tonight, I really think it would be appropriate for us to go back a few chapters to the beginning of the book of Ezekiel. Now, I don't pretend to understand or know everything that there is to know about the prophet Ezekiel. I do know that any prophecy or prophet that you read his book in the Old Testament, any of the things that you read about there, many times they had a direct application to what was going on in Israel at that time or Judah at that time. And then also they had a futuristic application. In other words, there's things that uh, were spoken, things that were written about, that though they were applicable for the time, they would also be principles or maybe something was spoken directly that was to come uh, to pass in the future. And so it can be uh, sometimes hard for us to understand and to delineate between the two But it is important that we understand that this word that was written to us is for our admonition. And there is an example, the Bible said, in the Old Testament for us to follow. There's a lot of things that these prophets talked about that are a pattern for you and I. And there's something we can derive from it. And so as I look back at the beginning of how this book begins and how it starts all the way back to Ezekiel 1 and 1, it reads like this. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Jabbar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Now, if you know anything about the book of Ezekiel, you'll understand that there's visions that were revealed to him by God. He was a man that God spoke to through this medium of visions. And I think it's very peculiar how this starts. It says that he was among the captives. Uh, Notice how he said that. He didn't say, I was a captive. He said, I was among the captives. In other words, others may be losing their identity. They may feel that they are enslaved to an enemy, but I have maintained my identity in God. I may be behind uh, closed doors or incarcerated, if you will, but I do understand, though I'm in a foreign land among a foreign people, that I'm still a child of God. I among the captives. Come on. You and I, we live in a world that is captive by sin. We are among the captives. But we don't have to be captive in our mind. We don't have to be captive by sin. We we don't have to be captivated by the things of this world. But we can be free from them all. We can be liberated from them all. We can walk in this world that was filled with so much 
bondage and, and so much sin and is captive to all of those things that are out there, but we can live free from it. We don't have to cave in to what's going on around us. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So I think that's very important to note. But have you ever thought about that? It tells us exactly what his location was, that he was in the land of Babylon. He tells the the specific river that he is standing by, the river Jabbar. And he says this, he said, I am here and the Lord has opened the heavens to me and I saw visions of God. That tells me, first of all, it doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter what may be going on in your life at the time, doesn't matter how down you may feel, it may, you may feel like you're a thousand miles away from God. He was long ways away from where he felt comfortable. He wasn't in a temple. He wasn't in a church, in other words. He was in a foreign land. He was in captivity. But yet he was able to receive something from the Lord. He was able to have God to speak to him. I, I want to preach to somebody tonight that God's word is able to go to where you are. God's word is able to speak to you in your situation. It doesn't matter how big the problem is to you. God is still able to speak. God is still able to give you a word. God is still able to help you right where you are. Some people fold up and they say, well, because of my circumstances, because of where I'm at, and because of what I'm going through and the trial that I'm in, there's no possible way for God to speak to me. There's no possible way for the Word to get through to me. I want to tell you that's a lie. God can speak to you right where you are. Amen. A word could come to you tonight. Amen. You might have came in here confused. You may have came into this place discouraged. You may have came in disappointed about some circumstances in your life. But you can leave with a fresh word from God. Because God's word doesn't know any boundaries. God's word can reach over every wall. It can penetrate through any barrier. It can make its way through any stronghold. And touch the lives of people. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to magnify him right now. Maybe, and I just want to put a new perspective on this, before Ezekiel could see the visions of God, maybe he had to be taken into this foreign place, this uncomfortable place. This place that is deemed as a place of captivity. One of the great trials, 70 year trial, if you will. Not, not a, you know, some, some trials we have, they're short in, in span and it doesn't last a long time. But then there's some trials. Well, it's like that thorn that Paul talked about that he suffered and he asked the Lord to help him. He felt daily buffeted by it. And he asked the Lord to remove it. It was a trial that didn't go away quickly. And there is some trials that we experience that it doesn't, there's not a remedy. There's not a, there's not a way of escape from it quickly. It's something that we have to endure. It's something we have to go through. It's something that we have to face. And it doesn't go away in a day. It doesn't go away in a short span of time. But it, it's something that we have to go through that maybe lasts for a little while. 
But uh, that, again, doesn't limit God from speaking to us. And maybe he had to go down to sit beside one of the rivers in Babylon in order for God to speak to him. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to tell you your trial is not for naught. I'm trying to tell what you're going through. Uh, you say, how can any good come out of this? How, how can God get any glory from this situation? I, I want to preach to you, God may be getting a whole lot out of this that you don't realize at the moment. Maybe God is extracting things out of you. Maybe God is dealing with things in your life that he wants you to, 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 to give to him and yield to him and surrender to him. Uh, that if you had, had everything been normal in your life, had everything been comfortable in your life, had everything went the way you wanted it to, and you just had the wind in your back and everything was fine, you would have never given yourself totally and committed yourself thoroughly unto God. But it took a Babylonian experience. It took captivity. It took a trial. In other words, to get you to the point, you said, God, I need you to speak to me and I need you to show me something things. How many's ever been to the place that you needed God to, to show you some things? How many's ever felt the weight of a burden that was so heavy that you needed God to help you? You needed God to intervene for it. How many's ever been to the place that you needed direction? You didn't know which way to turn, whether left or right, to, to go forward or to stand still. You didn't know what to do. You just needed God in the situation. Well, I'm telling you, God's going to show up in somebody's situation here tonight. God's going to help somebody that's in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise to him right now. Let's worship him. So first thing you need to understand, you need to get better perspective about your problem. You, you need to get a better perspective about your trial. That God is going to bring something good out of this. I, I'm going to leave out of this with stronger faith. I'm going to come out of this with a stronger reliance and trust in God and his word. A greater confidence that whatever he says, he's able to perform. Whatever he tells me that he can do, he is able to bring it to fruition. So before God could reveal these things to him, he had to take him to a certain place. And then he did not show him the temple in its restored state at first. He didn't show him the glory and the revival that was coming to Israel at first, instead, he showed him a few things that needed to be dealt with. Matter of fact, as you read this text, as you read this chapter, and you understand uh, the surrounding verses of what I read to you here tonight, you understand that this really was a dilemma that Israel was in. You understand that this was a uh, a place where w- wickedness was was seemingly unbridled, evil. Uh, there was a great onslaught of evil that was taking hold in that day and had found its way all the way to the house of God. It was not just something that was going on outside of the house of God. It was going on within the house of God. And that was what made it so vile. That's what made it it's such a concerning thing to God is that they would take and what was meant and what was built and what was established for the Lord, they had some way convoluted it 
and made it something that was never dedicated or intended to be. And they thought since they were within the walls of the church or the temple that they were hidden, that nobody, nobody would really investigate their activities within. That as long as they were uh, acting as though everything was normal, those on the outside would never know the difference of what was going on within the temple. But the scripture tells us that Ezekiel was led by the Lord. The scripture says that he led him by an unconventional, an unorthodox entry into the courtyard of the temple. He didn't enter in through the door. But he brings him to a wall and he says, I want to show you a little place in the wall, a little hole that is there in the wall. And I want you to peer through it and see what you see. And as he began to look in, he began to see all kinds of wickedness. He's seen idolatry being practiced. He's seen dark things taking place, abominations, the Bible said, in the very house of God. And it even uses this word that makes our our skin crawl. It, it said there were creeping things that were going on in the house of the Lord. When you looked at it from the outside, it perhaps looked like everything was fine. There was a veneer over everything sadistic that was happening inside the temple. Again, this place that was meant for the glory of God. This place that was meant for true and unadulterated worship to be given unto the Lord. Pure worship to be given unto the Lord. And now been degraded to this place of debauchery. Had been brought low to this place of vile activities and wicked abominations and unbridled evil. And that gives us a picture of just how deceptive sin can be. You think because you got it hidden that nobody knows. You think just because it's behind the walls, it's deep within the inner man that nobody else knows about it. That's underestimating the piercing eyes of our God. My Bible says that his eyes are to and fro in the earth. He sees the deeds of man. He understands in the time of Noah, the Bible tells us that God saw the imaginations of men's heart, that it was evil continually. And he said, I got to do something about this. In Hebrews 4 and 13, it says, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. Talking about the Lord. You, you don't get by God sees. God is aware. God is able to penetrate through whatever facade that I put up. God's eyes are so piercing that he's able to see. Amen. And look down deep into the heart of a man. He is able to see what nobody else can see. He sees beyond the veneer and the shine. He sees beyond the gloss. He sees beyond the smile that's pasted on and the clothes that hide. He sees down into the motives of a man. He sees down into the spirit of an individual. He knows what is there. 
But they went on with their activities thinking because we're doing this in this sacred place that it's not going to be discovered. It's behind the walls of the temple after all. I mean, there's nobody going to come in here and investigate us. We're priests, but these priests had given themselves over to idolatry. In fact, the Bible says that there was some of them that had gone so far that they turned their back to the temple and they looked towards the east east to the rising sun and the scripture says they worshiped now we know that this was a form of idolatry but it is also indicative of what was going on in the hearts of these young men they were looking towards the east with their back towards the temple they said we don't need any of the consecrations of the past we don't need any of the commitments of the past we don't need anything that is represented by what what was given and sacrificed in the past we just want something new and fresh in the future. We're going to do it our way. I'm going to tell you, you can never disconnect yourself from the consecrations of the past and have true glory and true revival and a true move of God. There's a reason why commitments were made and consecrations were made. And we'd be foolish to ever think that we've advanced so far that we can forsake those things that we've overcame, amen, and graduated from. The, 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 the willingness to submit ourselves to the things our elders submitted themselves to. The Bible said they turned their back to the temple, face towards the east, and worshiped the sun. Turn their back towards everything in past generations in an effort to do something new. And this is our day. Forsaking everything that had been sacrificed to build the temple to the point that it was at. But I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God instructed Ezekiel. He said, don't, don't stop there. He said, but dig. Keep, keep digging in that hole. And the Bible said he continued. And, 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 and I'm sure there were times that he cringed and he wanted to turn his face away. And I'm sure by the sights of what he was seeing that he was, he was sickened in his spirit and he wanted to flee. And I'm sure there was times he said, that's enough. I, I just want to, I just want to cover it up. I, I don't want to see anymore. But God said, I want you to keep digging because there's a principle here. You're going to keep digging until you're going to dig Israel out of this problem because I'm going to show you a a reestablished and a restored temple. I'm going to give you measurements of a thing that you cannot even conceive in your mind at this point. I'm going to show you a multitude, a man that you never even dreamed. I'm going to reveal to you things and visions. Amen. This might look bad right now, but you just keep on digging, Ezekiel. I'm going to bring you out of this mess. I'm going to bring you out of this problem. I'm going to bring restoration to Israel. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and praise the Lord. And so what am I saying to you here tonight? I'm telling you that you should not, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, judge nothing before it's time. Amen. Until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of the darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. I'm telling you, we shouldn't judge any matter before it's time. What am I saying? I'm saying 
Amen. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't surrender. Don't feel like this is the end. This is all I can do. This is a helpless, hopeless situation. I'm telling you, keep on digging. Keep on consecrating. Keep on believing. Because God is going to bring about restoration. There's going to be glory that's going to come back. There's going to be power that is going to once again be a part of your life, Ezekiel. Just keep on digging until you dig your way out. Come on, would you lift up your hands and let's worship the Lord together. Let's magnify the Lord together. So so I got to thinking. I got to thinking of all the places in the Word of God where this concept of, of digging is talked about. I got to thinking about how that As I mentioned this morning, Ezekiel, who was in need of a well, said, well, I know in my father's day where some wells were, but they've been stopped up by the enemy. And he went back to those places, and he dug again the well that was filled by the enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines being one of the most contentious enemies and what we would call a perennial enemy of Israel consistently badgering them. There were certain enemies that they overcame. There were certain enemies that they were able to defeat that was never able to assemble an army and come back against them again. But not so with the Philistines. I'm just telling you, as soon as they would defeat the Philistines, the Philistines were already making plans for their next attack. As soon as they'd get home, take off their armor and pour them a glass of tea and sit down in their lazy boy and kick up their feet. Somebody would notify notify them it's time to go back out with your sword into the battle because the Philistines has reassembled themselves and they're down setting the battle in array again. Can I tell you that the Philistines has always been typical of the flesh? There's something, spirits can be defeated in your life. You can overcome and conquer certain things in your life. But I want to tell you this flesh you're going to have to deal with every day that you live. Every morning you wake up, you're you're still going to wake up in the flesh. That's why somebody says, well, I don't know. I don't want to worship because I might be in the flesh. Well, what else you got to worship God in? Well, I don't know if I ought to come down the altar. I don't know if I ought to respond in faith. I don't know if I ought to do that. I just don't want to get off in the flesh. I understand a little bit of what the meaning of that is. But I just want to tell you that sometimes it's your flesh that can become an excuse to you for not responding to God. And I made up my mind, if there's one thing that I'm going to have to contend with being this flesh, I'm not going to let this flesh beat me out of a miracle. I'm not going to let this flesh beat me out of victory. Come on, you can start using what would be. Come on, I'm going to start meddling now a little bit. Because of the climate that we're in, you can start using certain things and that were legitimate to begin with, and you can rely on them. And before you know it, it's such a tricky thing. The devil is such a, well, we used to sing about him in Sunday school, say he was a sly old fox. Well, he is sly. He is very deceptive. And what used to be legitimate excuses of why I can't do this and why I can't show up for that and why I can't be a part of that, 
can be a crutch to you if you're not careful. Well, you know what? Even sickness after a little while can become a crutch to you. Becomes a mindset to you. Amen. You, you get a little ache here or there. Sometimes you gotta override that. Come on, is that too harsh? Is that too much? I wish I had a dollar for every time I preached and didn't feel good. I wish I had a buck for every time I stepped up this pulpit and didn't feel like preaching and didn't feel like worshiping and didn't feel like praying. But you know what? We got a job to do. There's a call that is higher than that. And I'm not saying that people don't get sick and before you go off and make something out of this that doesn't need to be. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, you can excuse yourself if you want to. And it's it's impossible to argue with somebody that's got that kind of an attitude. Oh, yeah, that, that's impossible for us uh, uh, to defend anything. you got to make up your mind. you got to settle it in yourself. Uh, amen. I am going to rise up in victory. I'm going to be a child of God. Well, I noticed that I, I got a, I got a real dip in my amens right there, but that's okay. I'm just preaching to you the truth tonight. You're going to have to get up and make up your mind. I'm going on in God. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to receive victory in my life. Because if you're looking for excuses, he's going to provide them for you. And your flesh is your biggest enemy. Somebody said, well, you know, just to pray for me, the devil's really been fighting me. Man, listen, some people talk about it. It was like the devil, if he's, he's not omnipresent. And it's like he's so preoccupied. He couldn't possibly be dealing with you as harsh as he is because I just heard from somebody else over here and he's been at their house all day long. He could be at yours. He can't be two places at one time. The devil's really been giving me a struggle in this area. I'm going to tell you, victory comes through getting a hold of our flesh. And saying, God, I want to break through. God, I want, I want to walk. And and, and if you allow that to stop up the flow of anointing, I'm going to tell you the anointing is something that flows. And and the water, the well of the Spirit, it's something that needs to flow. Not just every once in a while. Not just every every now and again when we have a good service. Man, I I felt the Holy Ghost flowing. I'm going to tell you it ought to be like that on Wednesday night. It ought to be like that on Tuesday night prayer meeting. It ought to be like that on Sunday morning. It ought to be like that on Sunday night. It ought to be that in, in small group meetings that are of a nature where God can move. You need to let him move. It needs to be that way in your own personal prayer life. The spirit of God needs to be moving and flowing and working at every opportunity. God needs to be working and flowing in the lives of people. And the only way he can is for us to keep the well cleaned out. And we can allow our flesh to begin to hold back the flow of God's spirit. But God move and work and have your way in my life. Move through me. Let me be a conduit that you could use in this hour. Come on, how many really wants to be used of God? Hallelujah. How many wants God to use you and flow through you? And he dug up those wells again. And he went on and he dug some more. And the scripture said he finally hit a well that was a springing up well. 
Amen. You know, there's times when we're doing what we can do and all that we can do, and then God steps in and begins to work. And God begins to work miraculously. Sometimes he lets us go ahead and dig and clean and work and, 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 and do all we can do. And then he steps in and makes up the margin. We want him to do it from the front side of it. We want him to do it from all the way through. We want him to take it from A to Z. We don't want to be involved in the process whatsoever. But that's not how it works. Sometimes you have to dig. And the principle is here, if you, if you keep digging, that little opening will turn into a door and an opportunity. Somebody said, well, I, I don't know. I, I've been working at this for a little while, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like it, it, it's expanding. It doesn't seem like that my place is enlarging at all. It doesn't seem like the blessing is coming. It doesn't seem like my efforts are going to be rewarded. I'm telling you, don't believe that, not for a moment, because all of a sudden the door is going to swing open, and you're going to see that God has been working all the while. You're going to see the temple in its restored state, Ezekiel. You're going to see the glory of God come back to you you're going to experience it at a level that you never thought possible when you saw all the things that were wrong when you saw all the things that were detractors when you saw all the things that opposed a move of God you thought it was impossible but you just keep on digging and I'll bring about a revival I'll bring about a restoration I'll open a door for you in the spirit Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible talks about doors. It talks about Paul. When he was, he was writing, he said to one church, he said, I, I can't, I can't come to you right now, even though I had told you that I was going to come at this certain time. But he said, let me just tell you that there's a door, a great door, effectual, that has been opened unto us in Ephesus. But there are many adversaries. In other words, there is resistance. But if you could see how great this door is, if you could see how great this opportunity is, if you could just get a glimpse and a vision of what God is going to do here, then you would understand that really the opposition is minuscule in comparison to what God wants to do. And that's the mindset you've got to get. Is whatever opposition is here, that's really a small thing in comparison to what God is able to do in my life. What God is able to do for me, if I'll allow him to, if I'll yield to him, and if I'll be persistent enough to not give up, but just keep on digging. I know it's uncomfortable. I know we don't like to do it. I know that sometimes it requires more of us than we really like to give, but if we'll keep digging, God will bring deliverance. God will bring hope back to the house of God. God will bring miracles into our lives. God will give us a restoration and revival oh come on somebody throw up your hands to the Lord and let's give him praise right now hallelujah 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 why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet let's worship the Lord together let's give praise to the Lord together right now hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus Praise God.
But before God ever reveals big things, sometimes we've got to be willing to look and see hope in small things. Sometimes before God expands our vision, we've got to be willing to do something about the vision that he's given us. Sometimes we render ourselves inactive because we say, well, that's not really something that I'm interested in. It's not something that I want to do. That's not something that captures my attention. That's not something that I most desirous of. I have bigger plans, grander plans than that. I mean, look at that. That's so small. But you have to get in there and work that a little bit. And as you begin to work that, that leads to something else. As you work with what God has revealed to you, He opens a door into bigger and greater and more grander things. But if you don't start with small things, the Bible tells us, despise not the day of small things. So many times we unwisely dismiss certain things. We even dismiss certain people. We see them. We size up the situation. We said they're not going to amount to much. We see them the condition that they're in and sin. And we see the marks of sin on them. And we say, you know what? They, they probably never become anything but just a, an average pew dweller in the church if, if they can be saved. I can tell you over and over again, give you examples of people that were given up on. The Larry Bookers, the Charles Mahaney's, the different ones that that were given up on and dismissed as drunks, as hippies, as people that had no potential. But God said, I see something there. And he revealed it to, to the heart of a preacher. And a preacher preached to them and discipled them and taught them. And eventually they became a door, a door that would open wide, that would bring revival to many, many people. You can't look at the present situation and size it up. You can't look at things as they are. You gotta look at things as they will be. You gotta look at things through the eyes that God illuminates them to you. You gotta have vision that extends beyond what you can see on the surface and what you can see. Amen. Just with the human view of things. You gotta have heaven's point of view and say, God, I see potential there an opportunity that God is opening up and it seems like such a small window right now I don't know if it's worth it and what I see is I look on the other side over there I see a lot of opposition I see a lot of things that would oppose this from happening God said you don't worry about what's in there I can take care of that you just dig You just dig and I'll open the door there. And as I am taking care about uh, of what is on the inside, as what is on the inside is extracted out, I'm going to put glory back. I'm going to put revival back. I'm going to put miracles back. I'm going to bring a restoration back. Come on, 
is anybody willing to dig your way out? Is there anybody that said, I don't see much, but I'm going to go on what I see. Amen. What little I see, I'm going to respond. I'm going to, through faith, I'm going to respond. Maybe it's a business opportunity. Maybe it's a, maybe it's just a small vision that God has given you concerning revival in your family. Maybe it's just a glimmer of hope is all that you got to go on here tonight. But I'm asking you to come. Come with shovel in your hand and say, God, I'm going to dig until I see this thing open up into greater things. I'm going to dig until I see hope arise from this. I'm going to dig until something greater happens. Amen. As I begin to dig, amen, it may seem like it's just a small thing. And I, if I'm not careful, I can be discouraged because it's not moving as fast as I'd like it to. It's not happening at the pace that I want it to. But I'm telling you, God is still moving you in the right direction. And suddenly the door is going to be open. Let's respond. Let's dig a little bit here tonight. Let's dig a little bit here tonight. Let's be willing to pursue. Let's be willing. Let's be willing to do what God has has called us to do. What God is challenging us to do. is so limited right now it just seems like such a small view that you have you don't have much to go on but I'm telling you in faith respond tonight you'll be totally amazed at what God what will happen the door that will open you've got to be willing to dig you've got to be willing to dig Get a shovel in your hand. You gotta put your work in. You gotta be active. You gotta respond with faith. You gotta have an attitude that says, you know what? I'm not gonna be easily discouraged by just the, 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 the small thing that I see right now. I'm gonna believe that greater things lie on the other side of this. A day when the glory is gonna come. Revival and restoration is going to come to the house of God. Come on, that's it. Let's pray. Let's reach out to Him. Let's call on Him.
change in your pocket, you got quarter, dime, penny, anything. Coin. like a small thing, doesn't it? You know the illustration. But you put that right up there. You close this other eye and you just keep bringing that closer to your eye. And that's the only thing that you can see. And what I felt as I was praying down here, these altars, when Zika started seeing this vision, man, he saw all kinds of abominable in other words, all kinds of opposition was there. Sometimes, Ezekiel, you've got to have a long-range vision. You've got to be willing to look over. Sometimes you've got, to, you've got to be willing to investigate a little bit. You've got to look over. You've got to look beyond and behind that opposition. And first thing you need to realize is there's a reason why that opposition is there in the first place. If you think the devil is just going to roll over and let you have it, let you be blessed and no fight involved, you've got another thought coming. But if you will look beyond it, you'll see that there's blessing. You'll see that there's answered prayers. You'll see what you've been desiring, what you've been praying for, what you've been believing God to do is really not that far away. But if all you've got is nearsightedness, all you can see is just what's up around you. Come on to be a child of God. You've got to have 20-20 vision that's not only nearsighted but farsighted. You gotta be willing to look beyond and say, God, I see out there what you're going to do. And I'm taking steps towards it every day. Every day. Every day. I'm working towards it. I'm digging. I'm digging. I'm doing a little bit more. I'm working this thing a little bit more. I'm, I'm giving a little bit more to it. Hallelujah. Why don't you raise your hands right now and say, God, I need you to help me to see beyond the opposition in my life.